Bobby, what is the Holy Spirit's role in helping us to know when we should be operating from each ship? Operating from the love ship versus operating from the wartime ship. Yeah, the way I saw it was that they were superimposed over each other. That we could be in an intense battle, but still be raging in love with Jesus and actually feeling the affections of his love while we're in battle. I mean, who wants to fight from a distance? Who wants to fight just to fight? I want to fight because I'm passionate about the one who loves me. So I don't have to trade one for the other. They're sort of superimposed. But I too came in on the love boat. It was vineyard music. Um, angels were feeding me grapes while I was under the apple tree with Jesus. That sounds, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, yes, and then some wars started. And I didn't realize that there, that white ship that I had boarded was actually a gray ship with a number on the side of it and cannons off, hanging off of it. And it was on. And so, yes, uh, Frontline's Christianity is about those two ships being superimposed over the top of each other. And us, that's why the Holy Spirit is so necessary. Because he helps us operate out of love, operate out of war. Operate out of love, operate out of war. We're, we're just in sync with him. Yeah, yeah and that, that's a perfect segue into um, how, do you, how do you know when to be in the warship mode versus the love boat mode? Like, how do, you, how do you know when? And also, how do you prevent yourself from staying in one longer than you should be in one mode? Yep. So we're all probably prone to either the love boat or the warship. That's our first reaction. We all probably have a first. And I think that the Lord would have us, and the scriptures are full of, to war out of a place of love. Um, if you could shoot love out of those cannons, um, that would be amazing. So war from a place of love. And first of all, that's not just love for people or you know, that kind of thing. It's love for the Lord, first of all. And then his love for us. I need to war out of a place of knowing I'm loved. Because often we war not knowing we're loved. And we're mostly trying to defend ourselves and call it spiritual warfare. And the Lord would rather have us war out of a place of knowing we're loved by him then that way we're not just, again, defending ourselves and calling it warfare. Yeah, I, I, I like to think of it like that. Um, and I feel like that, that pulls us into this next question, which is when we're in that war mode, mm-hmm. how and what should our first priority be in that war mode? I mean, I think you just touched on it, but can you expand on what our priority should be when we're in that mode? Yeah, the first priority in battle is to not engage in the battle. Our first priority in battle is to go straight up and just get intel. And because the fog of war and that initial shock and awe is normally a distraction by the enemy. He'll come in enough to get you to not go to the throne first, but to react first. And so our initial stage in the battle is not to engage in the battle, but to go up. Does that make sense to everyone? Do not react. That's what Goliath was all about. Can I get someone to react? Can I get someone to respond? One of you just be a hero. One of you step out in the flesh. Step out without going up. 
And so that's often what the enemy does. He's, he's loud, he's proud, he's shock and awe, so that we hopefully in the fog of war don't go up, but we respond first or react out of fear. Yeah, that's so good. And I think one of the things that uh, happens is when you said people naturally are kind of bent in one way or another from the beginning, yeah. then they have to pay attention and listen to the Holy Spirit to make sure that they transition when they should transition. So what I've heard a lot of people say is they're coming from that place of context, wherever, however they are, right? And then they say, well, well, I just model what Jesus did. And then they give the six examples of Jesus the way that they are. Yes. Um, so so I, two things just immediately pop into my mind. Um, one is, you know, Jesus sat carefully outside the temple and crafted a whip with fragments of bone in it. And, um, and, then, and then Peter, you know, we all know the story when Peter cut the, the ear off the guy, right? Yeah. And then Jesus was loving and put the ear back on. But what's interesting is Peter had a sword. Yeah. So he had the sword. Yeah. He didn't accidentally have a sword. He had the sword. So can you speak to being prepared to move into the part that's unnatural to us? So if we're naturally a love boat, how do we prepare ourselves to be ready for worship? If we're naturally worship, how do we prepare ourselves to move into love boat? Yeah, so I start that with a question. How many of you have been through a traumatic situation and you knew the Lord was saying to you, you were not properly equipped for that? <laughs> ready or not, here I come. You know, that's kind of the way he's coming back. And it's kind of the way he operates ready or not, here I come. You know, it's like we, got, we have this picture. Remember the uh, Matthew videos, I don't know, a decade or so ago, Jesus was just always smiling. He was just always Beautiful, like- Beautiful, flowing hair. Becky, just yeah. white teeth, just, just amazing. <laughs> Jesus, that's not, I mean, I love it. He, he does, he is like that, but he's also William Wallace Jesus. Yes. And he's not just like that guy. Love that guy, but he's not always like that guy. And sometimes Jesus says, hey, we're going in. What, what, uh, where, where's that in the manual? Hey, we're going in, let's do this. And often the word of God, um, he would preach after he did a sign and a wonder because he wanted to make sure that on one hand, we're thoroughly equipped for everything, but on the other hand, there, that's no excuse for having to trust the Lord in moments that you have no clue of what to do, where your only prayer is help or run. You know, when you feel like you're not equipped for this thing, it's that ever presence of the Lord. Do we know that there's an ever presence that we're walking in? I mean, literally, that he is with me right now. He is with me. So I feel like often, um, as, as equipped as I want to be, and there are times in my life where I was not ready for this level of warfare and got my butt kicked. And I'm not sure that that's the best way to learn, but I am sure that a lot of the times Jesus teaches us that way. So I don't want to, I mean, go read all your books on warfare and go try to be thoroughly equipped and all of that. But sometimes the best way to get um, it's kind of, I go back to the William Wallace movie. He's going back in front of the sons of Scotland and he's telling them about their freedom. And sometimes in battle, there's grace to just remember 
All I know to do is to not let the enemy overtake me. And I'm not going to do this perfectly. It's going to be messy. And when William Wallace was riding back and forth in front of the sons of Scotland, telling them, it's time to fight for your freedom. And then in the movie um, with um, Mel Gibson, he looks back and they go, now what are you going to do? And he rides off to um, the, ar- the commanders of the army who were going to meet him in the middle. And he looks back and he goes, I'm going to go pick a fight. Sometimes I just say it's messy. As much as I try to train people and I've been taken by surprise, and sometimes it's just like you wake up swinging the sword the way that you know how to. You start with what you know and do not be, try to be pro. Over time, you become a sniper, you become great at this or great at that, but at first, you just start by shouting the name of Jesus. When you sense something in your house or in your atmosphere, you go, no, and if that's your warfare and that's your theology, then no works for you. If you say no by faith, God will show up, angels will show up, and they will honor your no if that's how you start. Start like that. Start messy. Don't try to start perfect in the battle. And don't try to stay clean. It doesn't work that way. So I hear a lot of people will say things like, um, you know, that kind of thinking is just giving more power to the enemy than we should. And we're actually empowering him. Um, yeah. Um, so what would you say about as our responsibility of understanding and knowing the enemy not giving authority that he doesn't have, but recognizing that he is the prince of the earth. Yeah. So, not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, how has your past been? How has the enemy gained access to your heart? It's good to know your bloodline. It's good to know how the enemy's gained access to people in your family the things that you naturally struggle with and then the things that you spiritually struggle with. It's really good to sit down and go, what do I struggle with? What on the front lines gives the enemy access to my heart? And you should know that. You should know your strengths and you should know your weaknesses. And then like David, where David said to himself, why are you so downcast? In other words, oh wow, I feel some depression getting on me. I feel something trying to whisper from the outside. And just remember this, even though warfare feels like it's on the inside, it's mostly on the outside. It's mostly not you. It's mostly the enemy. And often the enemy goes undetected by first telling you it's you. Mm 